And welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 169. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. And today we're going to be examining a New York Times article published on September 7th, 2017, entitled From Sex Object to Gritty Woman, The Evolution of Women in Stock Photos. And this article was written by Claire Kane Miller, who begins, quote, In 2007, the top-selling image for the search term woman in Getty Images' library of stock photography was a naked woman lying on a bed, gazing at the camera with a towel draped over her bottom half. In 2017, it's a woman hiking a rocky trail in Banff National Park, alone on the edge of a cliff high above a turquoise lake. She's wearing a down jacket and a wool hat, and her face isn't visible. It really feels like an image about power, about freedom, about trusting oneself, said Pam Grossman, director of visual trends at Getty Images. And Morgan, that verb choice of feels, to me, is really central in a discussion about imagery or photography of any sort because, although some people might argue otherwise, I would contend that meaning does not exist in a concrete way behind photographs or other imagery, and in fact, interpretation is fundamental in how any of us engage with these images, and that's really what I'm hoping to get out of our discussion, because I suspect you and I might have differing interpretations of these images. And as this podcast is, of course, produced in an audio format, I'd like to begin going through each of these 10 photographs and sharing each of our impressions and descriptions of what is portrayed from 2007 to 2017. So before I begin, I just want to add that we're going to be including a link to this article on the website so you can also look at the images there. But Kip and I are about to do our best to describe what the pictures show. The 2007 image shows a white woman lying down on what appears to be a massage table. She has a white towel wrapped around the lower half of her body, and while we can't necessarily see anything scandalous, you can tell from the top up she's naked. Her head is resting on a pile of towels, and you can see her brown eyes looking directly at you. The whole image is very bright, very white, and there isn't too much going on in anything in the top of the image, just this woman lying in the bottom third. There's really nothing I would add to that description, and I think it's interesting with this first image we look at that, like you said, the image is very bright, I would say almost angelic in its depiction, and I think that's tricky because the photographer or people who searched for this image might be attempting to use it to portray women in a certain way, but it's also worth acknowledging that in a massage setting, I think the aesthetics and general atmosphere of the room are meant to be soothing and at times even surreal in a calming sense. But the only thing I would add related to this woman is that her face, angled sideways of course, appeared to me to be smiling until I oriented my face to face hers and she has a much more neutral expression, and in fact her eyes to me, when viewing it normally, appear to be focused on me, the viewer, but again, when turning my head sideways, almost appear to look through me. And I think that's a very interesting experience with this photograph that might say something about how our first impressions dictate our presumptions or other viewing experiences we have related to any number of scenarios or people. That's so interesting because as you gave that description, I started tilting my head 
to look at it from the side as you were talking about it. And that completely changed the image for me. You're right. When you look at the image head on, she looks like she's smiling and she's really happy. But you're right. Looking at it after tilting my head to the side, it completely changes her expression. I think that also changes my interpretation of the photo from what I originally was thinking. Moving to the 2008 image, it's relatively straightforward. We see another woman whose skin is not quite as pale and whose straight hair is long and brown with her back facing the viewer. And although the vertical frame of the photo extends from her lower back up above her head, she doesn't appear to be wearing a top. And so there is something about this that, similar to the first image, does appear potentially sensual. And I'm hesitating there because, as I said previously, a lot of these images rely on interpretation, and I think in many cases, cultural interpretation. And in this case, I do think there is a depiction of something alluring in her rather neutral expression, her face is in profile, and at least from this angle, she doesn't appear to have any particular expression, although it's worth noting that unlike the previous image, her eyes are closed in this one. I think in addition, it's important to note that the image of the first woman, in my opinion, it's clear that she's white. And in this image, the woman looks more ethnically ambiguous. She might be white, she might not be, but either way, she could pass for white. And I think that's important to note. There are two things that also caught my eye, especially since you were talking about whether the image was sensual or not. Both of these images felt voyeuristic to me. The first one perhaps less so, but in this second image from 2008, not only are the woman's eyes closed, but her lips are slightly parted. And there's also almost this shining beacon of light that's hitting her right shoulder. I think you're right that in different societies and different cultures, maybe this wouldn't be seen as a sexualized image, but I think in American culture... I think it reads as a sexualized image. In the 2009 image, we have a woman in a blood orange bathing suit. She's looking up, smiling, perhaps laughing. She has dark hair that looks like it may be blowing in the wind as she looks up. What she's looking up at, we don't know. And the background is this tealish blue. It really makes the swimsuit color pop. And I think it's interesting to note that this is the first image that has a lot of color in it. To me, this image does feel distinct from the previous ones in that this is the first depiction we see of a visible expression. I see wonder and delight on the face of this woman who is also depicted from the waist up. And so we've yet to really see a full-bodied picture of a woman or more precisely, a woman's body in motion or action, which I think is interesting. But other than that, there isn't much more I would add to this description. The 2010 image is similar to the 2007 photograph, except that the frame this time is quite close and shows a white blonde woman lying on her side, this time receiving a massage. And you can see two hands coming from out of the frame to massage her right shoulder. Her eyes are closed. Her mouth is in a neutral expression. And I see relaxation in this image. But I also note, as she is not wearing a top, there could, of course, be other interpretations. I think that's a good description of the 2010 photo. So I'm going to move on to the 2011 one. So you just made a really interesting point that in all of these photos that we've talked about so far, the women are motionless. In the 2011 image, we see a woman. She's just been at the starting position as if she's about to start a race, a sprint perhaps, and she's slightly in midair. There's a lot of motion in the image and all of her muscles are flexed and tense. And you can tell that there's a lot of power in her arms and her stomach and her legs. She's not looking at the camera at all. 
And I think this is the first image that doesn't feel like the person is posing for an audience. I agree. And I also really love how sparse the image is. You see the two posts on which she would have propped her feet. But other than that, she's the only entity in this image. Not only that, she's the brightest spot of this image because she is fully illuminated. The only other thing visible is the floor. I think it's also interesting to point out that this is the only dark image. And by that, I mean the background is all black. A very good point, especially because in the 2012 image, we're back to a certain format. We see a white woman with red hair gazing out the window of a train. The background of the train isn't particularly noteworthy, nor is the landscape outside. But this woman, who's wearing a blue button-down shirt, has a face that is heavily illuminated by natural light outside to the point that her skin, which was already white, is very bright in this image. And then the 2013 image goes back to this darkness. Again, we have a woman lying down, but this woman appears to be younger, perhaps a teenager. Her head is rested in her hand as she scrolls through a tablet, the only light coming in through the image. I definitely think this woman looks younger, and I can't tell if that's because she's using a tablet. And while I know that people of all ages use tablets, I wonder if I have this association with the technology as something newer and therefore younger or more hip. The 2014 photograph echoes the 2011 shot of the woman mid-sprint, except this time we see a diver high above the diving board in almost a bird-like posture with her arms outstretched. We're seeing her body from the side in this image and her legs straight, her back is arched, and her legs are pointing directly up and behind her, and the only other thing visible in this gray image, in addition to, of course, the woman who's wearing a red and black bathing suit, is the gray diving board. In the 2015 image, we see a woman in a pink striped shirt at what appears to be a pasta shop. She's wearing a blue apron, and it looks like she works there. She's looking to the right and smiling, maybe even laughing mid-sentence. I'm very intrigued that this is the most used image of 2015. Like, why is she working here? And how is this used in so many different representations? But maybe we'll get to that a little later. You ask a very good question. I'd also like to add before moving to 2016 that she isn't shown in a full body shot. We see her from about the waist up. I also just want to add, this is the only image where we see a woman with shorter hair. Definitely very important to note. And in the 2016 image, the photographer is behind a woman who's wearing hiking gear and is standing on the edge of a ridge looking out over valleys and mountains and is in many ways the most rugged image that we've seen. But I also think interpretation is key there. And there's not much else to say except that there are clouds in the background and the wind appears to be blowing her hair. I definitely agree with you. This image, you said, seems more rugged. And it also, in, in my reading of it, seems more masculine. Because in comparison, the 2017 image is very similar. I think these women are both hiking. But to me, for some reason, the 2016 image definitely seems more, as you put it, rugged. In the 2017 image, we have a woman who is kind of further away from us. She's climbing down as opposed to climbing up a mountain. And the elements in the 2016 image seem more drastic. We see these snow-capped mountains. And in the 2017 image, it's almost this pristine, clear blue lake. It looks like it might be warmer, like the elements aren't as tough. I'm really glad that you noticed the stance of the woman in the 2017 photo, who is also smaller in her image 
than is the woman in the 2016 photo because they do differ in a downward hike versus a more confident stance in my interpretation. And I think these photos are very interesting to read. But having described these photos a bit, it's of course worth getting into the discussion and what we see in these photos. And for me, the trend is really interesting because it shows, although not always in a neat line, a gradual shift in the photographic portrayal of women. It's of course crucial to remind listeners that these are the top-selling stock photos for when you search woman on Getty Images, and stock photography being an interesting concept in my mind, that these are the images we want to think of, or the go-to photographs we hope to use in PowerPoints or other generic presentations where we don't have more specific or identifying photos. And so in some ways, these do represent a cultural perception or shift, and I'm really intrigued by that change, but I also think photography is a really fascinating medium for this shift to take place within, because a photograph, without Photoshop or other editing at least, has difficulty portraying the multitudes within any one person. And so while someone could be a bibliophile and a soccer player and a television fan and also a cook for their family, you can't easily capture that in one image. And so I think these are interesting because both photographer and the consumer or buyer of these stock images has to choose what's a single image I'd like to use to depict my sense of who and what women are in our culture. The article also talks about the Lean In collection from 2014 and how the whole point of it is to create a collection with, quote, more modern, diverse, and empowering images of women, end quote. And its unofficial tagline is, you can't be what you can't see. And since we just discussed all those different images that were the top-selling photos for Getty Images from 2007 to 2017, I think it's great that the Lean In collection was trying to provide different images of women that were not necessarily being shown or being sold. But the article also talks about how the most typical images in the Lean In collection are of white women in their 20s with long brown hair. I don't know, that doesn't sound very diverse to me. Another image, though, is how there's a woman soldering a circuit board, and it was one of the most downloaded images in 2017 from Getty's Lean In collection. Engineering and technology tends to be dominated by men, so I think it's great that the collection is acknowledging that there are women in these fields as well. I think the Lean In collection is a really interesting aspect of this article, of this phenomenon, because I take issue with some of the principles behind you can't be what you can't see, And I believe that we as a society should present every opportunity we can to every person available. But the idea that without a visual of something, you cannot achieve a goal or a task, I think, flies in the face of human progress. Many people over the course of our history as a species have envisioned and designed structures, tools, and other constructed elements in our world that did not previously exist and similarly have constructed careers and other paths through life that did not previously exist because of their creativity and persistence. And so I think there's a potentially problematic and patronizing interpretation here that women need imagery to show them a certain career path. But I also think that's a double-edged sword and I recognize that there's a lot of male imagery showing 
various occupations and other lifestyles, and that it does culturally affect us to see people we identify with doing or enjoying things we might like to also do or enjoy. And I recognize it's not cut and dry, but that tagline was especially interesting to me. And then even following up with that, the tagline, you can't be what you can't see, that tagline is so interesting to me because, as I already said, the most typical images in this collection are of white women in their 20s with long brown hair. And I also thought it was interesting because this article makes this connection between these photos and feminism, that you see almost a shift from the 2007 image to the 2017 image, talking about how we're showing women as stronger and more independent. But if you're going to talk about feminism, it needs to be a discussion that includes all women and not just young, white, able-bodied, thin, cisgender women, because that's all I'm seeing in these images. At one point, the article talks about how Britain's advertising regulator announced rules banning ads that promote gender stereotypes, sexually objectify women, or promote unhealthy body images. And the biggest thing I'm wondering is, do you think this would work in the U.S.? I'm really glad that you ask, and I wonder the same thing, because in my perception, of course as a man, I see a lot of women depicted in our culture as, if not sexualized, certainly with attention to aesthetic preferences or what we as a culture, I think, have deemed to be beautiful or attractive. And I mention that because I think if ads or other visual depictions of women were banned in our country, I think there are certain parties who would cry out against it, and they might talk about oversensitivity, but I think on some level the banning of imagery is really philosophically and culturally interesting because we as people have such strong associations with imagery that even if you replaced those images with something that might be psychologically healthier for our society, I think, in the same way that people can be addicted to cigarettes, there are people who would say, this is wrong, this is not what I'm used to, and the women you're showing me now don't feel like what I think women are. And so while I personally would favor similar legislation to Britain's because of my knowledge of unrealistic photoshops on the cover of magazines and similar imagery, I'll be honest and say that I might have a strange reaction, potentially an averse reaction, to different imagery that I'm rather ashamed of because I'd like our world to be filled with more natural images than unnatural images, and I think it's really difficult societally and personally to unpack and disentangle some of those ideas. And I think it's interesting that Britain has this ban on ads that could promote negative stereotypes or do other negative things to, in this case, it talks about sexually objectifying women or promoting unhealthy body images, perhaps in women. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that there are plenty of gender stereotypes or ways to sexually objectify men or promote unhealthy body images for men as well. Because I think that for many people, hearing what Britain's done, they might first and foremost, assume that that's there for women and women only. There's one point where the article discusses how the Lean-In collection shows conventional gender boundaries, and a man might be shown as a caregiver to a child, for example, which we think of as a role normally associated with a woman. But the collection still wants to show that, you know, he's a man's man. He's strong and bearded and masculine. 
which is, I think, a really nice final point to speak to that comes back to what I was saying earlier about photographic inability to depict multiple things and roles at the same time. And I think that is close to the core of this article because women's issues are prominent in our society and deserve attention. But at the same time, I feel that photographic imagery presents a simultaneously potent but insufficient toolkit with which to establish an identity or an element of our culture because of what can't be captured in imagery. And I think that tension or inability is also present in some of the Lean-In Collection's depictions of men. But before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to this discussion? I guess what I would love for a listener to be thinking about after this discussion is what kind of images are they seeing that promote gender stereotypes, either for men or for women? And how do you feel when you see these images? I feel like recently I've also been talking with a lot of people about different representations in the media, and I'm curious what representations people feel like they have of themselves or do not feel like they have of themselves in the media. So I'd love to hear feedback from listeners on that. And I'm really glad that you used the term stereotype in this conversation because I'd really love to hear from listeners if they think there can be photographic depictions of individuals who belong to clear groups, let's say a person of color or a white woman, that do not in some way instill a stereotype because of the power of imagery. And I don't have a clear answer there, but I would love to hear people's interpretations. I'd also love to hear from listeners after going through those 10 photographs as we did, if they had different readings or different elements or traits which stood out to them that we didn't discuss. And of course, as always, we'd love for this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, please feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where you can enjoy perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. See you next time. (laughs) 